After going through a painful divorce with a narcissistically abusive partner, Lindsay Rose, aka the Quantum Blonde, began her quest to master her understanding of the laws of the universe, how the brain works, and has been studying quantum physics for the last five years. I was in a relationship with this guy right around 27, 28, who was abusive sexually, uh, verbally, physically, always. And I was driving home from my corporate job at the time, and I just remember having this thought. I'm like, I can't, like, I can't do this anymore. Since then, she has impacted thousands of lives, gained over 300,000 followers on her social media accounts, and has been featured in Yahoo Finance as one of the top 10 life coaches to look out for in 2021. When I work with people, the first step is I have people identify what they hate about their life, ironically enough. What are the things that, that you are just tired of? Like, I'm just sick of waking up every day and feeling this way, or I'm sick of having the same experience on repeat coming into my life because the patterns are ultimately where you, you gain the most wisdom. If you have something that repeats over and over and over in your life, it's trying to show you something. Before we begin today's episode, I would really appreciate a review on whatever podcast platform you are listening to this on. This helps to get the message out there to men and therefore encourage and inspire them to level up their life. So without further ado, this is the Modern Warrior Podcast. I am your host, Gavin Meenan. Thank you for tuning in. So Lindsay, absolutely delighted to have you here and I'm intrigued by the work you do and I can't wait to dive into this conversation and discover more about manifestation and the power of it because to be honest, I'm pretty ignorant about it and I think a lot of people are especially a lot of men are i think so this may open up new horizons for us in our lives and i'm very interested about that and just from your own journey you're a manifestation coach today but it hasn't always been that way i believe you have a background before that and i'm curious to know what your life was like before you took on this journey and what was it about the previous life you lived that became a catalyst for this change in your life? Awesome. Well, thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited to talk to you mostly because this is new to you. And that really excites me because as we open up this door, it's like there's, there's so much that this is going to inspire within you and hopefully the people that are listening to this too. So I love these conversations and I appreciate you having me as a guest. Um, so yeah, my, my life was pretty crazy. I grew up with a very difficult childhood. Um, both of my parents were really young when they had me, they divorced very early on. I was only like eight months old and I have an older brother that's three years older than me. And on both sides of my family, there was a lot of abuse and neglect and, um, emotional unavailability and just a lot of toxicity overall. Um, and I struggled really growing up to feel like I was loved or that I was worthy or that I mattered in all regards. And that kind of spiraled into my teen years and my twenties with looking for love in a lot of really terrible places. And I ended up getting into relationship after relationship um, with men that were really unhealthy for me. 
and um, ended up taking jobs where I was making um, minimum wage. I wasn't really fulfilled. I was in corporate until I was uh, 27, 28-ish. And I just realized that life felt really restricted for me. Um, I felt like I was stifled. I felt at one point, like I just wanted to drive my car off of a cliff because I was so unhappy and lifeless and felt like I didn't matter. And um, I just remember I was in a relationship with this guy right around 27, 28, who was abusive sexually, uh, verbally, physically, always. And I was driving home from my corporate job at the time. And I just remember having this thought. I'm like, I can't, like, I can't do this anymore. I'm going to die or I'm going to like, I've got to make a change. I've got to figure this out. And I got home and I ended up breaking up with him, leaving that relationship. And I remember laying in my bed that night and I was just kind of asking the universe or God or whatever was out there to just show me a way out of this, like the misery that I was in of self-destruction. I'd had multiple eating disorders. I was just, I hated myself and I hated life. And um, I actually ended up stumbling upon Abraham Hicks, which is kind of anyone that talks about law of attraction. Most people know that that's like the, the gateway drug to understanding manifestation. <laughs> and I started just binging all these videos on YouTube and it started to click for me. I was like, oh my God, I'm a product of everything that I was taught and witnessed as a child. All of the experiences that I had had from zero to seven that shaped me as a human being. And that, that actually made me believe that I was worthless. And all those, those belief systems that my parents and my grandparents in, infiltrated into me made me who I was. And most importantly, that I had the ability to change that. And that's when I decided to devote my life to changing and being better and changing my life and um, going after my dreams. Mm -hmm. So change is hard, isn't it though? God, so hard. So how did you so, manage to make those changes? So as soon as I started down the path of like understanding the way reality works, um, it sparked an interest for me in understanding quantum physics, quantum theory. Um, I wanted to take the, the spiritual and also the science and kind of blend them together so that I could make sense to my logical mind. You know, spiritually, I was in tune with this idea and the concept that there was a higher power that was there that I could connect to, that I could feel, um, but I needed to logically understand how it worked. So I, I studied neuroscience, quantum physics, and I really um, dove into that world of, of personal developments. And I started just taking action steps every day to rewire my brain. So I sat down and I asked myself, all right, what do I believe to be true about myself? What do I believe to be true about relationships? What do I believe to be true about myself? And I got really clear about what I was thinking and feeling every single day and how that was actually manifesting in experiences and people that I was attracting into my life. So I took some time in solitude for about three years. And I literally just devoted myself to physically getting my body back in shape and eating better and checking my mindset and doing things that were good for me and love learning to love myself most importantly, because I did not know what that was. I had experienced nothing but conditional love my whole life. So I had to really figure out what that was, what it looked like. And most importantly, who I was, because I didn't really know who I was. I just was wearing all these masks, masks of who I thought I needed to be in order to receive love. 
and it was a really empty place to be. Mm-hmm. Wearing masks. Yeah. Yeah. Are we all guilty of wearing masks in our life and pretending to be somebody else in order to, yeah, uh, feel accepted or mm-hmm. follow the status quo. And it takes a lot of courage to be able to take that mask off. And did you manage to do that, do that on your own? Or did you have a support network around you to allow you to do that? Because it's something that I feel is very difficult to do on your own. What was your experience there? Yeah, at first I did a lot of it on my own. A lot of it was self-study. And then I got to the point where um, I realized that I needed help. And I, I was scrolling through Instagram one day and I saw this girl who was posting videos about you know, how she was living this like magical life. And, um, I was really inspired by her messages and I reached out to her and I started working with her and she ended up being my mentor for about six months. Um, and she helped me through a lot of it, but also helped me to recognize that my purpose and the reason why I had gone through so much in my life was to help other people. And that's when that really inspired me to want to start a business and to coach others and it's been the most fulfilling thing. And now, now I can actually look at all the experiences that I've had and, and say that that was for a purpose is for a reason. So I can inspire other people to know that you're not stuck, you know, just because you've gone through shit or you've had a difficult life and things have happened to you. You don't have to continue to perpetuate that. You can learn from that and you can let that be something that makes you stronger and you don't have to stay stuck in the past. Mm-hmm. You stayed stuck there for a very long time though, 20 Eight twenty nine. you were sort of stuck in that way of life or way of believing and way of yeah. thinking. And many people, men specifically are, are stuck in that, in that mindset. And for any of those who are perhaps feeling empty, feeling worthless, feeling stuck in their lives, what, where do you go first or, or what's the the first step, because as I mentioned, change is hard. And the thought of even making a change, I feel creates a resistance to the change. Mm -hmm. So for me and and the guys I work with focus more on making small shifts versus big changes, which is more successful over a period of time. These shifts then become habits that become your new way of life, new way of thinking, new way of behaving. Is it a similar approach with you or have you got a different perspective or perception of that? That's very, very similar. You know, when I, when I work with people, the first step is I have people identify what they hate about their life. Ironically enough, what are the things that that you are just tired of? Like, I'm just sick of waking up every day and feeling this way, or I'm sick of having the same experience on repeat coming into my life because the patterns are ultimately where you you gain the most wisdom if you have something that repeats over and over and over in your life it's trying to show you something and ultimately what it's trying to show you is that you have a belief system and this belief system is showing up in your life for you to look at it not because you're a victim or not because there's anything wrong with you but more so just to give you information to say okay this isn't what i want anymore And the next step for that, which most people don't do, is to identify what their preference is. So if you don't like where you are, it's not ever going to change if you keep complaining about where you are, right? That's that you're just reinforcing that with momentum and energy and focus. So take the information of what you don't like and direct that towards 
the target mark of where you want to go. And then when you look at that path from where you are to where you want to go, you're going to have thoughts come up that say, I can't do that. That's too hard. Or I wasn't given the education to do that, or I'm not attractive enough, or I'm not this enough, right? So all those thoughts automatically come into the brain. And those thoughts are where you have to do the work. That's where the real change occurs. Because if you're taking physical action in your life with a belief system that says, I'm not worthy, I'm not enough, or you know, I'm never going to be X, Y, and Z, you're working against yourself. So the best way to facilitate any change first is to look at the thoughts that you have, look at the belief systems, the core belief systems that you have, because that will be indicative of how far you go in your life. So I always say, don't even take action from a place of trying to eradicate something because that, you know, you're out of alignment. It's not going to do you any good. It's going to reinforce the fact that you're not capable of going after or achieving the thing that you want. And that's going to be detrimental to your success. So instead you look at where you want to go and then identify whatever comes up to tell you you can't do that. Cause that's a core belief structure you have to look at. And it typically stems from something, a parent, a teacher, someone that we loved or really valued um, placed into us that said, this is true for you. And in fact, most of our beliefs aren't true. We just accept them as truth because we don't have anything to contrast it with. Because it's been so ingrained, how do you, unlearn what you've learned yeah you look at it you look at it and then what you look at it you identify you recognize where it came from and you ask yourself is this even true right because we have to make sure that we're looking at it from all angles and that's where perspective comes in when we have a belief that's deeply embedded it's because there was a strong emotional response to it Right. There was some kind of emotional response that triggered this within me to believe that this is true, especially if it's from someone that we really value and respect their opinion. So we have to take a different approach and look at it from a new perspective and say, is this ultimately true? And then you have to devalue it. Um, from there, you want to identify what's a belief system that I want to integrate that is conducive to where I want to go. What is something I want to believe? And then, you know, the brain, we have neuroplasticity, so we're able to change it. We can rewire the brain through repetition. And that's where affirmations and mantras and, and things come in because you're, you're basically having to teach your brain a new form of thought. You're mm -hmm. introducing new thoughts that you don't think regularly, right? It's like all these other thoughts that we have, 95% of them are, are unconscious. They're below the surface. We don't even recognize we're thinking it. And so you have to get those new thoughts embedded into the unconscious or the subconscious through repetition. So anything you think on repeat essentially becomes a belief system that's automated. And if you pay attention to your reality and the moments that trigger you and introduce like strong negative emotions, that's an indication for you to look at something. That's where you can identify, oh, I have a belief system that is out of alignment with the desire that I have. And that's why it feels like shit. So I have to actually look at that. And if I don't want to believe that, what is something I would have to believe to allow me to move towards my desire and allow it to come to me? And then you've got to practice it over and over. I always tell people it's consistency and repetition. Like you wouldn't go to the gym once and expect to have a six pack. You have to be consistent with it over time. And then eventually you're going to start to see results, you know, four weeks, eight weeks, things start to shift. Same thing with mindset work. So for anyone who's a little confused as to how you change that thought pattern or how you turn that negative thought into something positive or something that's going to benefit you is the matter of reframing the thought when it comes to your mind or reframing the belief when it comes to your mind. So if you 
have a consistent belief that you're not capable enough to achieve a certain thing in your life is a matter of reframing that to yes i am capable of doing this is it is it that simple it's simple but complex because like you said before like there's a resistance that comes in when mm -hmm. i'm when i have a deeply embedded belief system that i've lived for so many years and i have so much evidence of its truth to go from that to like i'm unworthy to i'm worthy that's that's a really big jump so you want to work with smaller belief systems that you can kind of get your mind around that feel better. It's like, what's something that I can shift this to that I can, that's believable enough, but also feels better. And you, you move yourself into different emotional states. So can you give, us, a, give us an example of a, a typical struggle that perhaps one of your male clients would face and how you would begin to change your perspective on that? Yeah. I mean, rejection is a big one, like fear yeah. of rejection, fear of failure. That's a big one for men. I know if, if you have this, this core belief system that um, you're going to be rejected, you're always rejected or you're not good enough. You got to kind of shift yourself into a thought that feels a little bit better. You know, maybe I have a lot of evidence of that in my life, but that's not the ultimate truth. And I'm making steps towards improving myself. And maybe in the past, um, you know, that's the way that I thought, but I'm integrating new thought forms and I'm moving in the direction of feeling better about myself. And I'm taking steps to better myself. And it's like, you just, you want to move yourself into saying things that lift you or lift your spirits. Cause like I said, you're not going to go from, I don't feel good enough to I'm amazing. I love who I am. Everybody loves to be around me and whatever. Like you have to slowly move yourself in that direction. Mm -hmm. Does that make sense? definitely makes sense yeah i've i've been on that pursuit myself although i wouldn't call it manifestation maybe it was but my journal has become my my guiding principle let's say and my journal is used to basically dump my feelings and thoughts onto a piece of paper every single day i've been doing it for maybe three four years now and i would question the the beliefs or the feelings that i would write down and would link it back to an experience in the past, what the parent or what somebody, as you mentioned, that I respected or loved or uh, looked up to, and their response became my interpretation as to my belief about myself. And if I, for example, stepped out of line in class and misbehaved, let's say, misbehaved, I'll put that in quotation marks um in, in in the class in school and I was and I was brought home and I was told that I was a disappointment to my parents or that they were disappointed in me that would reinforce a belief that I was a disappoint disappointment and I was not capable enough or I was again unworthy and I was somewhat rejected by them. So that reinforced a belief in me that as I said I wasn't capable. I was I couldn't be accepted by others. I was unlovable, all these sort of things. So those, those sort of things have come up in my life over the last, well, over the last 10 years, perhaps since I started working on all this, but especially in the journal where I can be completely honest with myself, is journaling part of the process for you or have you got different tools or strategies there that may be more beneficial or more efficient to help these guys come to a place of feeling better about themselves. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, journaling is a big part of it. Meditation is huge too. Like that, that was a game changer for me. It's like, you don't even realize what's going on within you until you actually quiet yourself enough to hear what's going on within you. It's like even having to think or be present with ourselves. And that's where all the power is. Like you have to be able to be still and listen to yourself. And so I do, I, in the mornings, I like to first just check in with myself and how are you feeling today? What's going on? Where's your mindset at? You know, sometimes you wake up and have dreams that are intense and these emotions come up from that. And it's like, what am I, what am I processing through today? What's going on? What's my general um, emotional state and connect with that. And, and then I meditate for a little bit and just really feel into what's coming up for me. And then I like to also practice gratitude. Gratitude has been a game changer for me because the moment that you sit down and you think about all the things that you have to be grateful for, you have a huge shift in your energy. It can change your whole entire day. And I'll, I'll write my gratitude. And then I write down intentions that I have for myself. How do I want to feel today? You know, when I go out into the world, whether I go outside and I'm going to work or I'm going for a walk or going to the gym, what is the impact that I want to make? What's the energy that I want to put out? What are the experiences that I want to have? And I like to play in possibility of potential outcomes for my life that could happen that are really positive and exciting and things that could happen unexpected that would just blow my mind. And I find this exercise to be really powerful because most of us are conditioned to worry about all the things that could go wrong. And we're never really thinking about all the ways that life can go right or go in our favor or amazing, unexpected things that could happen. And people struggle with that. So if you can train your brain to look for the positive aspects in your life, or to even play and fathom with ideas of things going really amazing for you, it will automatically shift you and you'll start to notice it, that you're in a totally different vibration. You're in a totally different energy field. Therefore you attract entirely different experiences. Like if you wake up in the morning, you stub your toe, you spill coffee on yourself. It's like, you know, this day sucks and you have that energy and then you go out and someone cuts you off in traffic or, you know, flips you off or whatever. It's like, you are creating this field of energy around you based on what you're choosing to focus on. So if you can start it in the morning, you're, you're setting yourself up for success immediately. Yeah. I'm with you on that. A shift in your energy just just is a shift in your life. Yeah. And it is big time. Um, energy is a big thing for me, uh, physically, emotionally, mentally. So I'm with you and all that. And that's why the, the journal is so important for me. I do a little bit of med- meditation before I start journaling so I can allow those feelings and thoughts and memories of last night's dream to mm-hmm. uh, come to the surface. Dream analysis is something I do as well on a regular basis. It's quite powerful that. And yeah, what if there's somebody listening to this today though that thinks, ah, too far gone. Um, 10 years married, I've got kids, I'm not, satisfied with the situation but i'm going to have to hang in there um, for the sake of the children for the sake of continue to pay the mortgage for the sake of keeping up appearances until maybe someday i can break free from this when um, my commitments have uh, dissipated in some way that the kids potentially have moved on in their own lives and then i can move on with mine i feel a lot of men are sort of stuck in that situation where they're in dissatisfied, sexless, broken relationships. There could be kids involved. Maybe there's not. But there is a huge amount of guilt Mm -hmm. that holds them back from making that move. And that guilt is so overpowering that they will resist again 
to resist that that change, that shift. What do you say to someone like that? Yeah, guilt, guilt is a very, very low. I mean, if you look at like the emotional guidance scale, it's it's a very, very low vibrational emotion, and it's very difficult when you're in that state of mind to conceive of life being any different than it is. It's it's really challenging, um, and I and I get that. I empathize with those people. It's you just have to remember that. you're never stuck where you are unless you decide to be stuck where you are. Just like you're never a victim unless you decide to be a victim. And every single thing in your life is happening for you. Every situation you're in, regardless of whether you perceive it to be positive or negative, is happening to benefit you, not to keep you stuck or unmotivated or feeling shame and feeling guilt. Like to me, those are all really kind of wasted emotions. Like that's an indicator of something for you but you don't have to stay stuck there. It's like, who decided all of these things? Who decided that you have to stay in a marriage for the kids? Like, how is that helpful? You know, like these are all just limitations that we place on ourselves that if you really truly looked at them and eradicated them and then decided to choose, you know what, maybe things aren't the way that I want them to be right now, but this is showing me so much about where I want to go because every single contrasting negative experience that we have automatically creates desire for something more. It's just that we hold ourselves apart from that. We don't allow ourselves to move towards that because we have stories and and things going on within us that don't allow us to move there, right? But we are the only one that's holding yourself there with your belief that you have to stay. Like you've created all these limitations, you know? And it takes like radical compassion for yourself in those spaces, radical compassion, but also recognition that this position in your life is teaching you what you want. So what is it that you want? What is it showing you? Because that person that you're with, that relationship that you're in, that's a huge teacher for you. If you let it be, you know, and then we can really identify like this person that I'm with, that I've been with for 10 years has all these qualities that I don't really feel like mesh with me. And this is what I would really prefer in my life. And I think sometimes we get stuck on this idea. I question marriage sometimes. Um, we get stuck on this idea that we have to be with like one person for the rest of our lives because that's what society tells us to do. And that somehow we're a failure if we walk away from situations that don't serve us. That, like that to me, we really have to redefine as a culture is just to say like, if something doesn't fit anymore, it's okay to move on. Yeah. The reason I bring that up is because mm-hmm. guilt and shame is an underlying emotion for a lot of the men I work with, be it with a relationship, but it's, it's usually down to a relationship. It, it could be a, a breakup. It could be, again, a, race, a relationship that they're dissatisfied in and just can't make that move because of the overwhelming sense of guilt that they would feel or shame if they did make the move and a feeling of selfishness or abandoning their, their kids or whatever it may be. So, mm-hmm. and then it's sort of, backed up with messages out there at the moment that if your relationship is broken or you're dissatisfied there, then, you know, a strong man, a masculine man doesn't leave that. He'll stick it out and he'll work through it. And, you know, marriage is a bond and, you know, this is for life and for better, for worse, you know, all this. And, then, as I said, that exasperates the the guilt and shame that men would feel in terms of, you know what, I'm, I'm just, I'm done here. But mm. for me to make the move, it would, as I mentioned, bring this further sense of 
guilt or shame into my life and I just can't handle it. Um, mm-hmm. So there's, there's a lot of challenges there when it comes to relationships. I think it's probably the biggest challenge that men face in their life, uh, especially the further they're in that situation, the more difficult it is to make the move. Yeah. It's got to be balanced. I think that relationships are, it's a two-way street. It's got to be an energy exchange coming from both ways. And if you're giving and you're giving and you're not being met at that same level of energy, then you, you have to ask yourself, how is this serving me? Right. And how is this serving this other person? And sometimes the bravest thing that you can do and actually takes the most strength is to let go of something that isn't good for you or to let go of something that isn't working, that you've been trying and trying and trying. Like eventually you just have to go, okay, I've tried and it's okay to let go. It doesn't have to mean anything about me. I don't have to make up all these presumptions about, oh, I'm not good enough or I failed or I should have done more. Like all of that's just a story. Mm-hmm. And it makes story. you feel like shit. Yeah. Mm-hmm doesn't feel good. It's like, you know, sometimes it really takes a lot more love to say, Hey, you'd be better with somebody else or you'd be better on your own because this isn't healthy for either of us. And I want you to be happy. And that's, that's real love to me is when you can set somebody free because you know that ultimately you can't make them happy. And there's someone better suited for that. That doesn't mean I'm inadequate. It just means that if we are trying to fit a a circle into a circle hole, like we have to fit. And if it doesn't, that's okay. That, you know, that's the thing that really, I feel like we have to stop telling ourselves. Like if, if after 10 years with someone, you've been trying and trying and trying, you just don't mesh. It's okay. It's not a failure. It's only a failure if you don't learn. So you take that opportunity and go, thank you so much for spending this time in my story with me. And for teaching me the things that you've taught me and showing me the things that you've shown me and allowing me to grow to even greater heights within myself. And just because we go two separate ways does not mean we failed. It means that we get to be better people individually and for the other people that come into our life. But I think if, if we attach, if we like have this feeling that we have to attach to somebody forever, that creates a lot of pressure and automatic like resistance, I think, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Yeah. A feeling of responsibility for the other person. Mm-hmm. It's too much of a weight for a man to carry. You know, he's yeah, he's got his own fucking emotions to uh, to carry, and Seriously. to have someone there who who he can share that 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 with, and on on a healthy level, as opposed to trying to carry their burden as well. So, yeah, love that uh, love that perspective shift. Thanks for that. Yeah. And my marriage vows would be, I like you pretty good. Let's see how this goes. Yeah. I like you for now, but I can't promise I like <laughs> you in a few years time. So <laughs> if we grow, to, if we grow together, that's great. But if not, that's okay too. Yeah. You know, cause I'm going to be my own individual person and I'm going to focus on being happy with who I am and taking care of myself. And only then can I really come to this relationship and be an equal contributor, but I have to come first. Mm-hmm. And as selfish as that might sound, you have to put yourself first because if your cup is empty, you're not going to be able to be there for anybody else. Exactly. And I would always encourage that in a really, in a partner, anyone that I was with, you know, make sure you're happy. I can't make you happy. If you're getting into a relationship because you think someone's going to make you happy or make you feel any sort of way, you're coming at that 
relationship with a, with a void. You're coming from a place of lack and expectancy on someone else to fill your needs. And that is really unhealthy mm-hmm. because no one can hold you in that happy state all the time. Yeah. Nobody wants to either. <laughs> no, God, that's a lot of energy. Yeah. That is and then you end up resenting game. somebody, you know, it's like, God, I, I have to make myself happy and I have to make you happy. Yeah. It's a lot. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and then over the years as well, you know, you're growing as a person, you're potentially going to grow apart from your partner, you know, if they're not growing in the same direction as you. And I find that a lot with men as well, is that, you know, a lot of men are taking up this personal development journey and bettering themselves and the wife or their partner is not following a, a similar path. And, you know, one one is going a different direction and one is pretty much standing still. And that creates a massive level of frustration with, with the man. So it has to be communicated in terms of why he's doing that. And of course, you know, there is the, the flip side of that too, is that if he's leveling up his, his life and uh, raising his, his frequency, let's call it, and uh, he's becoming happier, more fulfilled himself, you know, it's going to have a knocking effect with, with his kids and with his wife. And, you know, they're going to reap the benefits of that. And that's something else that can happen. You know, that it, it can, it can benefit the marriage as, as well as perhaps create a distance or a disconnect, but that's up to the man to sort of uh, communicate that and to okay. share it with the people who are, who are closest to him and not to sort of go down this route of being the lone wolf and no, no, I'm just going to work on myself and I'm going to go over here and do X, Y, and Z and you can stay over there and do whatever you need to do. Mm-hmm. And as I said, there's a disconnect there. That's very difficult to reconnect with. So yeah, there's um, a few things to think about there. Yeah. Yeah. It's, I mean, communication is really the most important thing when it comes to any relationship that you have. Like people can't read your mind. That was a big thing I had to learn too. Like in, early on, just expecting the person I was in a relationship, a relationship with to know what I was feeling and thinking and my needs and all of that. And it's like, you actually have to be able to articulate that, but you have to know what your needs are too. You know, most people don't know that. So you have to know what you need in a relationship. That's where this personal development work really does come in handy with relationships is because you get to identify what are the non-negotiables for me? You know, what makes me feel loved? These are the questions I ask in the beginning of a relationship. How do you receive love? What makes you feel loved? How do you give love? Like you want to understand those things about your partner so that you can work in unison with them and want to understand. Yeah, that's you important. Know, but- so so that, that is for any man going, going into a potentially serious relationship, you need to know what you want from that relationship or what it is that you want from a woman again as you mentioned the non-negotiables the perhaps some things you can negotiate with but on a on a sort of minimal level and what it is as you said that would really amplify that relationship for you so it's something i didn't do something i never even thought about doing when i got into um, serious relationships in the past and then you're months or years into the relationship thinking how the fuck did I get here? <laughs> yeah. How am I with this person? And this is not what I want. Well, yeah, you know what you don't want now because the other person has uh, communicated that to you through their actions and behaviors over the years. So as you mentioned earlier, yes, that's great information to take with you into the next relationship. I think this is something that 
many men can can use when they go through a breakup, especially to reflect back and and take a massive amount of value and lessons from their previous partner instead of hating on them for leaving them or whatever this this void has uh whatever void it's created in their life you know there's even value in that in terms of okay why is there a space here and you can take that with you on to creating a healthier relationship in the future instead of just going from woman to woman and using them as soothers for your underlying pain uh Many men, many, many men are guilty of that and just jumping from woman to woman without taking the lessons from the previous breakup and cultivating something more meaningful in your life. So mm-hmm. what have been, what has been the most difficult decision for you throughout this whole journey? Mm, that's a good one. Most difficult decision. Um Walking away from, I guess, and letting go of things that were very comfortable and people that were comfortable in my life, um, family even, and blocking them out. Um, You're talking parents? I'm talking like when I, when I first started my business, my family thought it was crazy. They're like, what are you doing? Had it like you went from a really solid, stable corporate job to like posting motivational videos on Instagram. Like, what are you doing? Um, And then, and then when you start sharing personal things about your life that include your family members and experiences that you've had with them, not everybody wants that information out there. So um, I had to, I had to block a lot of people and I had friends and, you know, relationships that I was in that were pulling me down that were, you know, limiting me that they were always, they would always see the limitation. I'm like, I can't have this stuff in my life. If I'm going over there, can't take it with me. So I think the most difficult decision was really to let go of all of those things and spend a good amount of time in solitude without anyone or anything to really support me, but just to be with me and figure it out on my own. And that ultimately was the catalyst for the confidence and independence that I have now. As a woman, just to know that I, I don't need anybody. That's all bonus, but I can, I can manage all this on my own. And I think that if everybody can kind of get to that place, um, we're going to stop using other people for yeah. our happiness. So solitude is, I, I definitely recommend spending time, getting to know yourself, being alone, recognizing where you're filling voids and um, being able to fill all of that up within yourself instead of the external. So the question on everybody's mind at the moment, most people is what did that solitude look like to you? Um, for many people, it's going to, they're going to have different sort of ideas and illustrations in their mind right now in terms of what this solitude looked like. It brings up uh, an image in my mind of you just being in a <clears throat> monastery on your own for, for three years, or may, maybe being in a, in a dark room for three years with, with no contact with the, the outside world. Yeah, I'm sure it wasn't that extreme, but you did. Am I right to say that you let go of all the connections from the past and just spent three years completely on your own trying to connect with yourself or having those three years on your own allowed you to connect with yourself without having to connect with anybody else? Is that, am I on the right path with that yeah. idea? Yeah. I mean, I didn't like, there were people in my life that started to come in 
that were healthier for me as soon as I cut off. It's, it's usually how it works, like a vacuum. It's when you let go of the things that are unhealthy for you, then other things can come into your life. So I, I took time off of dating, especially. I was like, I'm not going into a relationship. I, because I knew I was attracting the same man just with a different face. And I was like, it's the same thing over and over again. So I am clearly responsible for this. This is me, you know, I have to look at me. And so the solitude really looked like um, reading, learning, meditating, um, doing like physical exercise. That's one of the, the easiest ways for me to really get into a meditative state is whether I'm running or working out. I feel like I'm able to release a lot of emotions doing that. Um, and yeah, so I, it's not that I cut off friends. I just focused on the people in my life that added that I felt like when I was with them and I left, I was, I lifted instead of being pulled down. Um, so I would do like a lot of classes. I joined like women's circles. I focused on things that made me happy. I figured out what made me happy. I dated myself, took myself out on dates. I, I did things that made me uncomfortable so that I didn't have that feeling anymore. And I was like, oh, that's not that bad. You know, going out by myself, seeing a movie by myself, you know, having a glass of wine at a bar by myself. Like I can do all of these things. I can, I can do the things that I want to do with someone else by myself. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of what I did. I guess dating myself really was. Yeah. I've been falling in love with myself. You know, that's really what it is. It's like we invest so much time and energy in wanting to get to know that person when we, we meet them that we're excited about and we do all of these things for them and we don't ever do that for ourselves. You know, it's like, take all of that energy that you're putting out into someone else and turn it back around on yourself. And imagine if you loved yourself the way that you love somebody else. And I would do that. I would buy myself flowers. I would, you know, just take bubble baths, like all the things that I I knew that would make me feel that way. I focused on giving it to myself. And then that void kind of dissipated. I was like, I don't need someone else to feel loved. I can actually do that for myself. Mm-hmm. Would it, would it be nice? Yeah, of course. But that's bonus. It's not coming from a void anymore. Good stuff. So more bubble bats. Way more bubble bats. For, for the lads. All right. Yeah. Nice one. <laughs> Lots of stretching. <laughs> yeah. It's yeah. I, I can completely relate to where you're, where you're, where you're coming from there. And I've been on that same journey myself. The only difference for me was that I went, I swung too far to that side and I almost disconnected myself from everyone or avoided connections with anyone. I said, no, no, no. I want to be in my own, need my own space, need my own energy. And maybe there was something in there in terms of, I just did not have the capacity to be able to connect with anybody else. Cause I hadn't completed this connection within myself because there had been so many layers to my trauma or to my difficulties within, but I think I also lacked this self-compassion uh, to, as I said, I, I said, okay, I'm, I'm going on this journey on my own. Not that I even intentionally went on the journey on my own, but over a period of time, I started to spend more time on my own and, you know, go to a coffee shop, like you mentioned, and I'd take a book with me and I'd start reading about self-development stuff. I think Ryan Holiday's book, The Obstacle is the Way, was one of the first books I, I read and it really hit home with me and I didn't understand why that was until I started to ask more questions about the feelings that were coming up 
but then I think I protected my space too much by keeping everyone out. And it's only really over the last couple of months that I've been able to bring people back into my life again or open up the opportunity or space to bring people back in my life again. But I'm very, very careful, maybe too careful to allow people in. And maybe that's still part of my my process. And I think it's um, the reason I'm saying this too is I think it's it's prevalent for a lot of men when they go on this journey of self-development that they cut off everyone and they go into this complete solitude where they're disconnected from their friends, their family. It's all very surface level stuff and they become so content in their own company that they do not want anyone else to interfere with that. So yeah, that's, that's a bit of a risk I feel for a lot of people out there. It's actually pretty normal. I think in the beginning when you're doing this is because you're becoming more vulnerable with yourself and there's a natural instinct to want to guard that, you know, especially as you sit with your own pain, you're going through all of this stuff. It's like the idea of someone coming back into your life and causing even more pain. It's like, you want to protect yourself from that as you're going through that experience. And I think it's, it's natural. Like we kind of close the gate, so to speak, as we're doing a lot of this inner work. And as you, as you release and you start to regain confidence in yourself and you really learn to love yourself and have compassion with yourself. And you recognize that you can protect yourself without guarding yourself. You know, it's like, I, I don't need to put this fortress up to protect my heart. I can be open because I know how to process my emotions. Now I know how to be with myself. I have this uh, confidence in my ability to be both vulnerable, but also know how to manage myself. I don't have to be guarded. The, the guarded is, is just a defense mechanism, mm-hmm. right? So yeah. as you're doing this work and you realize like, okay, actually nobody has the ability to affect me unless they, I allow them to. And in fact, I can observe them and I can observe how they're showing up in my reality. I can observe how they're treating me. And then most importantly, I can make a decision whether I'm going to engage or not. And I can have boundaries for myself. And when something doesn't feel good and it feels off, I can establish that and I can communicate that. It's when we feel that our boundaries are violated and we don't actually have the ability to speak up for ourselves or set those boundaries that we feel that other people have the power to hurt us or control us. And it's really, it's just you. Yeah. You know, but vulnerability is difficult for men anyway. I mean, it's hard going, especially like in relationships, being able to be vulnerable with someone and opening yourself up when you've been hurt before, like that's the ultimate, the ultimate, but how are you going to be able to receive the depth of love that you desire, unless you're willing to take the risk of being hurt. And if you look back at all the times you've been hurt before, you got through it. And in fact, it probably made you better. Mm-hmm. So being a human being and living this life is it, we're going to have that risk of being hurt. Mm-hmm. And the more you do this work, the more you're going to learn that you have the ability to get through anything. You can do anything. And I think that's what lets you open up and be even more vulnerable. Yeah. That's powerful. What are some of the characteristics that you would admire in a man? Good question. Um, I think about this a lot. I, in fact, all the things, all the relationships that I've had, I, I kind of look at them as, as data, like information for me to be like, oh, this, this was really great. Or, you know, this is what I'd like more of. 
Um, and I've come to the realization that loyalty, honesty, like communication, um, I want to feel in a relationship, I want to feel safe, secure, and loved. So I want a man that, that knows how to be in tune with himself, can communicate that effectively to me. Um, an aspect of patience as well, you know, gentleness, um, but also really solid and grounded in who he is without having to prove that to the world, like a quiet confidence. Um, and someone that's in tune, you know, that can just recognize the subtleties and the shifts and, and wants to grow together wants to be better. Someone that wants to continue to be better, the best version they can of themselves, not perfect, but just continued growth and evolution. What's your idea of holding uh, an emotional space for a man? It's something I have asked several people about men and women about if a man is to be open and vulnerable with his woman that it can shift the dynamics of the relationship where the woman would, again, as I said, have to hold a, an emotional space for him, maybe feel what, somewhat responsible for his emotions in his life and his behaviors, his actions, and sort of takes on this mothering role, mm -hmm. which is not, not going to uh, develop into a very healthy relationship, in my perspective. What's your, what's your thoughts on that? I, I think it's so important. I mean, I think it's incredibly important that, you know, a man feels the same way in a relationship. You should feel safe and secure enough to express how you're feeling emotionally to your partner. And I think as a woman, like for me, the way that I approach it is number one, just like listening. I, I'm not here to solve the problem or fix it or change how you're feeling, but to just be a space where you can say, I'm struggling. You know, this is what I'm feeling. This is what I'm going through. And I think that there's just a lot of healing in that when you just feel that you can share what you're saying without someone trying to fix it or be defensive or, you know, change your mind or whatever. It's just, just to listen. I found that to be the most powerful thing and to just in, you know, in past experiences with, with men, like I always advocate for that. Like whatever you're feeling, I want to know what you're feeling. There's no right or wrong to this. And to take away this, this layer of judgment and criticism, but to, for me, that that's a strength. If you can come to me and express your emotions and how you're feeling as a man, I recognize the incredible strength that that takes to be able to do that. To say I'm feeling um, jealous or I'm feeling insecure or I'm feeling unsure of myself as a man, it's difficult. It's really challenging. So if you can have that perspective as a woman to see like, okay, the fact that he's doing this takes a lot of strength and to um, be able to reiterate that to him and see him in that. Cause that's ultimately, we, we all want to just be seen and heard and understood yeah. in that. So that when you do have it come up again, you feel safe to come to me with that and you're not going to be judged and criticized and, and, and put down, but in fact, you're going to be seen and lifted up. Well, as long think, as he's taking responsibility and ownership of that, and he's actually going to sort it out. Absolutely. That, it's not, that he's not coming to you every second day with the same problem. Yeah. Yeah. No, you want to make sure you have, Hey, this is what I'm feeling. And this is my solution. Hmm. 
this is what I'm going to work towards, right? Accountability, but also like, this is how I feel. I don't want to feel this way anymore. So here's how I'm going to work towards improving upon that. And as a partner, I hope you can hold me accountable for that in a positive, loving way. So you don't, you wouldn't give them advice or recommendations in terms of what I should do next. It's just to listen. If he asks. Yeah. If he asks. If he asks. If, if, you know, if you're coming to me to express an emotion of something that's going on within you, then of course I'm going to listen and empathize and, and be there to, to hear you and see you and feel you in that. If you want advice, then I feel like that's something that you should ask for. I know I would never give anyone unsolicited advice because I think that's stepping over a boundary. Um, but if you're like, hey, what do you, what's your perspective on this? Or what do you think would be helpful for us to work through this together? Absolutely. Cool. Nice one. So for all the men listening to this, they're going to finish this podcast and get on with their lives. What are a couple of strategies that they could apply immediately to help them make these shifts in their life? Specifically in relationships? Specifically in their life in general, you know, just starting with themselves. I would, the first thing I would do is get super clear about what you want. Super clear, because if you don't have directive on where you want to go, you're going to stay where you are. So take some time to think about from all the, the life experiences I've had this far, what's, what's ultimately the direction that I want to go. If I could snap my fingers in a year from now and be living in my ideal experience of life, what would that look like from a relationship perspective, from a health perspective, from a financial career wise, like the best thing that you can do is get clear and then ask yourself, why don't I currently have this experience? Would you, would you use your history to guide you there in terms of reflect back to a time in your life where you felt your happiest or can that be somewhat misguided? Because often when we reflect back on experiences in our life, they seem a lot better than they actually were mm-hmm. at that time. Yeah. Yeah. We've, we romanticize those experiences sometimes. So I would just be with where you are in this moment, you know? Okay. So take it where, from there. Yeah. Where am I right now? And sometimes what I do is I'll just take a piece of paper and I'll draw a line down the middle of it and I'll write on the left side, current experience. This is currently where I am emotionally, uh, situation. These are all the circumstances I have right now going on in my life that feel like shit. And then I will draw a line over to the other side, the other column and say, this is what I would prefer. This is what I want to experience. This is how I want to feel when I wake up in the morning. These are the interactions that I want to have. This is the way that I want to look at my wife. This is the way I want to, you know, feel in a relationship capacity. This is how I want to feel about my body. This is the level of confidence I want to have and start to play in that arena. And then one of the most powerful tools that we have as human beings is our ability to imagine and visualize. So visualize yourself as often as you can, playing in those experiences that you would like, you would like to have. Imagine your wife coming up to you and you guys having an interaction that feels really good. You know, what would you like to have her say to you? What would you like to, that experience to look like? You know, what sort of things would you want to be doing together and create that for yourself? Imagine it. And it's going to increase the probability of those things happening. So clarity. And then that line down the middle of the page is ultimately courage because you've, you've got to be willing to want to change the way that you think about things because thoughts create emotions and emotions drive action. 
So the only real control anybody has is the way that they think and what they're choosing to think about. So wake up in the morning and choose a mindset that feels good to you so that you're going to start taking action towards the things that you really want. Excellent. The dog, the dog gives us approval there as well. He did. <laughs> he liked that. <laughs> He's saying, go get after it, man. Yes. Uh, so <clears throat> uh, yeah, it, it, it works. And look, you're living proof that it works. So, and many others as well, of course. And Yes, I really enjoy this conversation with you, Lindsay. So for everyone listening to this podcast, where can they reach out to you whenever they get stuck in this pursuit of, of uh, manifesting something magnificent, magnificent in their life? How can they find you or where can they find you? Yeah, I'm, so I'm on Instagram. Everything is the <laughs> quantum blonde. Um, Instagram, I share a lot more of like my lifestyle. And then TikTok is where I teach a lot of these concepts about manifestation. So that's where a lot of the educational stuff is. And you've got, a few, you've, got a, you've got a few followers in TikTok, haven't you? A few followers, yeah. I think three, 339,000 as of the other day. 339,000, okay. Well, there's something in that, yeah. So yeah, that's where a lot of my motivational stuff is. So um, I'm always teaching something new about manifestation over there. Brilliant. And your website as well? The Quantum Blonde. Brilliant. My brand persona. Well, thank you. I'm super psyched. I'm going to get my pen and paper right now and get yes. after it thank you yeah make a list make a list of everything you want in a yes. person and don't be surprised if it actually happens let's go <laughs> thanks Lindsay. thank you thank you for tuning in to another episode of the modern warrior podcast if this episode has added value to your life please share this episode on your social media platforms so that others too can gain the insight information and inspiration that they need in order to move forward in their lives. For the time being, stay strong and keep fighting the good fight.